0: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill, and we have a packed show for you. We are going to talk a little bit about Tyreek Hill, who is meeting with the NFL this week, per multiple reports. Uh, I have a little bit of, of, of thought on where this may go, uh, with with a little bit of insight on where the Chiefs may take this. So we'll get to that first. And then we're going to dovetail into. What's going on in Green Bay? Matt LaFleur, the new head coach, Josh Hill's favorite person in the world. Uh, right. And, and so there's a little bit of, not a riff, but a, maybe a little bit of a clashing of, of thought between both he and Aaron Rodgers. And then we'll talk about Jonah Williams. This is being recorded on a Tuesday, and it just came down that Jonah Williams, the Bengals' first-round pick, rookie left tackle out of Alabama out for the year. A torn labrum suffered right before minicamp. So uh, we'll talk about the Bengals and where they should go, a team seemingly adrift for the last, oh, I don't know, 30 years. So we'll take our shots at all those things. But before we get into any of that, I have to mention at the top, I'm sitting here in my Stacking the Box podcast hoodie. Let me tell you something. It might be the most comfortable hoodie I've ever had. And I mean that sincerely. It is a beautiful piece of clothing. Now, You're probably saying to yourself, I wish I had that, you can get that. Go to swag.fansided.com, search for stack in the Box, and there are sweatshirts, t-shirts, mugs, all different sizes, all different colors, black, white, gray, you name it, you got it. Please go there, check it out, buy something, rep the podcast, support us, and support the idea that you are pretty dope, because if you're wearing our stuff, you're dope. So, all that being said, Let's jump right in. Let's not waste any time. Tyreek Hill is meeting with the NFL, again, according to multiple reports, on Wednesday. The league is going to continue its investigation at the Hill. There's no timetable for when there could be disciplinary action, although one would imagine you're looking at before training camp. I don't think the league is going to want this to go on into when you actually start playing games, even if it's a preseason. So Hill, I ask you... What do you expect to come from all this?
1: Uh, probably nothing other than a little slap on the wrist. Um, I feel like if something was going to happen with Tyree Kill, it would have happened already. This is not. This is different from the Ray Rice, Greg Hardy cases of the world, of the Ezekiel Elliott cases, um, where it was present in the conversation the whole entire time between when we saw the videotape or when the report came out to when the discipline was eventually handed down. Like all you heard about and all you saw, unfortunately was the Ray Rice tape and all you heard about was Greg Hardy. And then we saw the photos and with Ezekiel Elliott, we saw, you know, Jerry Jones, you know, coming out of the crypt to say, you know, he's got whatever this, it seems it died off and it had all of the, hallmarks of those other cases where it comes out of nowhere in the middle of the day or maybe it was a weekend. I forget exactly when it was
0: it's middle of the day. I yeah. believe on a weekday
1: and we're like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is something. And then it kind of simmered. And then on the night of the draft, it's like, okay, now there's audio recording. Yep. There's evidence here. And then it spiked again and it's died back down. And now we're in a point where it, it, it's hard to say what's going to happen because we don't know everything that did happen. And there's so much you know, uh, noise that's been thrown in. there, so many smoke signals, so much deflection. It's just very polluted. The waters aren't clear. We can't see what happened. And the NFL, I don't... I mean, you've said it before, not because it's your opinion, but because it's observational. The NFL knows that the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl this year if they have Tyree kill. Like, that is just a thing. And i don't think that they're in a position where they're going to say we're gonna we're going to take him out of that because we have so much overwhelming evidence to take him out of it it's that lack of evidence and the nfl has done this before if there's a little bit of lack of evidence in this it, it's going to go a long way in confusing things i don't think anything's going to happen with them i think something should but then that's my own opinion and i don't know enough of the evidence so then you get into a whole different can of worms that everybody's going to have to deal with with this but the bottom line is How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. Tyreek Hill, I think at the most, is he going to get like maybe a six-game suspension, and then he's going to be back before the playoffs?
0: Yeah, well, look, I will say, I don't necessarily think they will. I'm picking the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, but I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going. They're going to have a lot of competition in the AFC, specifically in New England. Um, but yeah, I think if he's there, it's a huge oh, yeah. difference. For sure, right? Um, that my... and the
1: perception from, I guess what you said, was the perception of fans in Kansas City. of yeah, The did. NFL knows they will have pitchforks and torches if... They take Tyree well, Cloud of this. Well,
0: there's a lot to unpack with this. and Okay, so I'll, I'll give the national angle and then a little bit of the local flavor. I, am, I wanted to be clear. Like I, I've never lived in Kansas City. I've, mm-hmm. I've been there a handful of times, but the local flavor more coming from just people I know in the area, people I've spoken to, um, and just kind of reading the room, I guess, for the lack of a better term. But the national idea of this is Tyree Hill is a terrible person because of what he did at Oklahoma State, which he, he was found mm-hmm. guilty of. He, he had a plea deal on that. So, uh, and, of course, I think everybody knows at this point, but he, he choked his pregnant, uh, now fiancé at the time, girlfriend, mm-hmm. Crystal Espinall, okay? Um, got kicked out of that school, went to West Alabama, so on and so forth. He's in, he lands in Kansas City. Now we have this whole situation. Nationally, the thought is he's a terrible person. The NFL should throw the book at him. I'm not gonna get into my feelings on Tyree Kill as a human being. Certainly no. flawed, okay, but I'm not gonna I'm not here to play God. I'm here to lay out the facts. The facts are Tyree Kill is now or was, I should say, was part of an investigation into, you know, potential child neglect and abuse. There were a couple of different reports uh that went into uh, this whole matter, and, and there was, of course, the matter of, of his son, who's three years old, his son having a broken arm. There's an investigation into how that happened. What we now know is that there's no current investigation. No charges were ever filed against Tyreek Hill or, to this point, Crystal Espinal, his fiance. So it's going to be hard for the NFL, when there's no criminal charge, to say, well, he's going to get a season suspension, or right. some people have wanted, quite publicly, for him to get a lifetime ban he's not getting a lifetime ban and he's not getting a year-long suspension when there's not a criminal charge nope. and as far as what happened in Oklahoma State that predates his NFL career and I'm not going to say it doesn't factor in at all because the NFL is going to factor in public perception mm-hmm. but it didn't happen in the NFL it happened in I believe it was 2014 I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. as far as public perception goes it matters but it's it's far in the past and so I think there's a little bit of this idea that, well, he needs to be dealt with. But I think the NFL has to deal with the players' union and has to deal with the franchise itself and has to deal with what are we going to do with one of our star players. If Tyree Kill was a third-string wide receiver, the oh, Chiefs yeah. would have cut him four months ago. Mm-hmm. But he's not a third-string wide receiver. He's a top-five receiver in the NFL, and he's electrifying. And whether or not that should matter, it does. Now... The local perception of this is the Chiefs lost Kareem Hunt. They cut Kareem Hunt because of what happened mm-hmm. in February, in uh, you know, last February, I should say, in a Cleveland hotel. Okay? He, he was physical with a, a 20-year-old woman, kicked her. The Chiefs, once that video came out, they released him that evening. He since was picked up by the Cleveland Browns. You don't see anything negative about the Browns that they picked him up. Now, I think the Chiefs made the right decision by cutting Kareem Hunt. I was on record saying that when it happened, and I'm sticking by it. I think Kansas City, despite the fact they went to Cleveland, I I think Kansas City made the right choice. and Cleveland made its own choice, fine, go ahead. But there is a local thought that to hell if we're going to go through that again Mm -hmm. in Kansas City. We're not losing another star player. Because the thought is in Kansas City, what if we release Tyree Killen and he signs with the Patriots? What if we release Tyree Killen and he goes and signs with the Browns? Jeez. signs with the Colts. And we've got to play him twice. Or signs with the Chargers. We're not going through that. Not again. We're sticking with our guy this time. And I want to make clear, that's not the team perception, but that's just the local yeah. media fan perception of this whole thing. It's ugly. There's a lot of parts to it. And I'll, I'll digress now. All I'll say from my standpoint of Tyreek Hill is the Chiefs didn't cut him when that audio came out. The Chiefs stood by him through this whole thing. The Chiefs aren't going to back away from it now. There's a prevailing thought that he will be there full go come training camp whether or not he is suspended by the NFL. So if you're the Chiefs, if you're the team in this situation, you're riding this out because you have been waiting 50 years to be this good to go to the Super Bowl And you're willing, clearly, to take the PR hit. They brought Frank Clark in. Yeah. The day that the case was reopened, (laughs) they brought brought Frank Clark up for a press conference. They do not care. The perception to the Chiefs is, we'll deal with it. We want to win. Right, wrong, whatever, that's how they feel. So I think Tyreek Hill is going to get anywhere from two to four games.
1: it seems about right like that's that's right in the ballpark like you said i mean this all would have happened a lot sooner if something was going to happen and i do wonder how much the kareem hunt stuff does affect well i did at the time wonder how much the kareem hunt stuff affected the chiefs maybe pulling off like oh public perceptions and then of course they keep Tyreek hill a and b lest we forget frank clark is on this team now so it's, I, it also opens up a conversation about how much a championship is worth. It's like to a far, far, far lesser degree. And I don't even want to compare these two situations, but it's adjacent Everybody's rooting for the Toronto Raptors and Raptors fans are great fans. It's like, oh my God, finally. Taking the Warriors thing out of it. Like everybody's like, oh, finally, these Raptors fans who've waited and they've had their hearts broken and they've gotten to the playoffs and they've run into LeBron and they've run into injuries. Stuff has happened and we're all on board. Everybody's on board. And then they cheer Kevin Durant rupturing his Achilles. And we're like, man, we were right up there to the end with you. And then you had to ruin it right there. And completely entirely different situations. But you look at Chiefs fans a lot in the same way, where you're like, don't, not like this. It's like that Matrix meme. It's like, not like this. Not like this. Like, I know that the Chiefs have been waiting for a Super Bowl for 50 years, and everybody was on because they got Patrick Mahomes, who, I guess, to tie it back to the NBA, is being called the Steph Curry of the NFL. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, He's exciting. Travis Kelsey is what he is. He's kind of like a frat bro, but he's a nice frat bro. Andy Reid's the lovable barbecue fan, like the Kool-Aid man. That's
0: right, Tommy Bahama.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's like everybody's on board. with like the Chiefs fans, loudest fans in the NFL, it's all this. And now you're like, come on, Frank Clark and Tyreek like it's And it's yeah. the fact that the fans, it's not – on the one hand, it's the team. Yes. It's gross that they're keeping these guys around if they did indeed do the things that they did. And the other hand, it's the fans, where it's like, not all fans, too. We have to preface. And there's not all fans. No, the it's a
0: vocal minority, but it's a very vocal minority. But it's
1: like, come on. Like, of all the hills to die on, no pun intended, it's like, huh, really? I'm, I'm like, telling
0: come you, someone who's followed this fan base and who's been part of the fan base for a long time, and now, sure, I cover the league and I try to be as unbiased as possible, but I, I've i never hidden. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the team. I have oh, yeah. my whole life. And so... I think I do have somewhat of a unique perspective as someone who covers the league nationally is my job, but also has been very tied into this team. I mean, I've covered Arrowhead Addict for us. I was an editor-in-chief for years. Mm-hmm. I worked at another chief site at a different company as well. So um, I have, I think, a, a pretty good idea. I mean, I go on the radio in Kansas City all the time. I was on the radio oh, yeah. on Monday night in Kansas City talking about the Chiefs. So my, my point is I, I think there are – A lot of fans in Kansas City who are appalled by the whole thing Mm -hmm. and who don't want to see Tyreek Hill on the field. But there are absolutely a good chunk of Chief fans who do not care, who just want him out on the field. It doesn't matter. And you know what? I want to say this too. I think it's any fan base. It Mm -hmm. really is. If it was the the, the Packers, you'd have Mm -hmm. a lot of Packers fans who'd say, I want this guy out of here. And you'd have a lot of Packers fans who say, I don't care. He's going to score 10 touchdowns and be good for 1,400 yards. I'll live with it. I don't care. He's not my moral compass. I just want good football players. Now, we could sit here and go back and forth on what's right and what's wrong. Personally, I think it's hard to separate the two things. I mean, oh, I think yeah. if, if you're a fan of a team and you're somewhat invested in those, those players, like you understand who they are and what they've done. And in this case, but again, with this with Tyreek Hill, And this is why I think it's very hard for the league. We don't know what he did. Exactly. Nobody knows. Nobody. All I know for a fact is that he's not been criminally charged with anything Mm -hmm. and the case is closed. That's what I know. I don't know. I know that the arm of the three-year-old kid, his three-year-old son that was broken, there was nothing found of nefarious note. How he broke his arm, he knows. Mm -hmm. You know, his parents.
1: Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's backyard. Day 27. 333 AM. 333. All those threes mean something. Or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's backyard for 27 days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. think I'm finally getting through to them. 333...
0: Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Parents, I would assume, know the truth. I, but there's no evidence that Tyree Hill broke this kid's arm. We do know that there was corporal punishment in the home. And you could talk, again, whether or not that's right or wrong. Okay, I have a, two, I have a daughter who's almost two years old. I would never administer corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of people who do, and I don't look down on them because it's, it's legal. You're allowed to do that. A lot of people grew up like that and still feel that that's the right way to parent their, their child. So is it a screwed up situation? A hundred percent. Is a certain? You know, his audio tape? Yeah. He's, yeah. Got, he's got to take full blame for that. And I don't want to hear people, well, that's not exactly what he meant. Shut up. Yes, it is. There's like, nothing you can't he, confuse that. I statement. mean, because I've seen people say, "Well, you know, when he when he said you should be scared of me too," you know, with the b-word following that. Um, it, you know, I've seen people say, "Well, no, he was saying that, you know, because he could expose her for who she is." Listen, listen, come on. I mean, don't bend yourself into a pretzel trying <laughs> to – I mean, just don't be don't be an idiot. That's my he. what he he admitted in a letter to the league. Through his attorney, mm-hmm. that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all I need. So if you want to sit there and play, oh no, no, no he didn't. Do it. No, no, no. He he, he to said it. <laughs> he was one hundred percent wrong. Yeah. So just enough out of that. I think the NFL has to suspend him. Mm-hmm. If for no other reason, optics. I think he has to get suspended. Do I think he's getting more than four games? I don't. I don't have inside information. Look, the, mm-hmm. any source I have inside the league, it's been extremely quiet on this front and it kind of has to be i get it um but yeah i think you're probably looking at a short suspension and if you're the chiefs you don't care you don't care if he misses the first quarter of the year it doesn't matter you're going to win those games anyway you're still loaded to the hilt everywhere else and he'll be back and i'll tell you what'll be interesting let's say he gets a four-game suspension i'll wrap here week five they play Sunday night football against the Colts at Arrowhead so his first game back would be on national television. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. That'd be quite a storyline. Makes me wonder, does the NFL want his first game back to be on national television? Uh, I don't know. But maybe they don't care. Who knows? But I, I, look, he's going to meet on Wednesday, and we're going to find out more, I would assume, here before training camp, as to what happens with him.
1: And if I'm a producer at NBC... Oh, you're begging. You're begging, that's his, begging. Well, first of all, I'm begging, because that would be, his, yeah, like you said, his first game back... From the suspension but i'm already planning for we are broadcasting him coming out of that chief's tunnel and the uproarious applause that chief's kingdom is giving him like that no words no nothing no music just show that coming out that's going to be a talker that's going to be a topic of conversation because it's going to happen and is, we it thought gonna it was going to happen the upsetting part about it too is, it is. we thought it was going to happen when we went to a chief's game last uh last year the thursday night game yep. against the chargers which we won't talk about for a number of different reasons. I don't to get into that But it was Eric Berry's first game back, yep. and we thought that that was going to happen for him, that he, they were going to call him out last from the tunnel and everybody was going to go nuts, and Eric Berry's back. This is great. And it didn't happen. They but I, the offense. And I feel like it's going to happen with Tyreek Hill, and we're going to have the optics. He's talking about the optics yep. of Chiefs fans throwing their weight behind this guy when, like you said, we, all we know is he's been, yep. he has not been criminally charged but we all know what we heard on that tape. And I guess perception is everything. It but is. But people are entitled. The people who are, in, who are twisting into a pretzel are entitled to do that, free country. But the people who are pushing back against that and saying no, like you are and like I am, saying no, let's, like, we know what he said and he admitted to it. Like, that's, that's also a fair game.
0: We can all move on here. We'll, we'll get on from this. But I, I just think there are so many people who view him in Kansas City as a victim. hmm and I just don't know how you get to that. I really don't. Not from anything we know. Maybe something comes out down the road. It's a crazy story. And If you right now are saying, well, he's a victim. Well, that's just a painter. That's a picture you're painting. Yeah. Because there is no evidence that he's a victim of anything. If, if he's completely and totally innocent and everything, then, yeah, you feel for somebody who gets dragged through a situation like that. But there, that audio tape shows that he's not completely innocent of at least being aggressive mm-hmm. and over the line I mean, you don't ever talk to somebody like that mm-hmm. and I don't want to hear any excuses as to why he didn't give an excuse I certainly don't want to hear some dope telling me well no that's not really the reason like, the bottom line is from a football standpoint he is enormously important to the Kansas City Chiefs and there's a reason they cut Kareem Hunt and they didn't cut Tyreek Hill you yep. want to get to the stone cold truth of it because they didn't need Kareem Hunt and I said that on this podcast go back and listen to it from the, after he got cut they didn't need him. They didn't need Kareem Hunt because that team was, is and was built around the triumvirate of Kelsey, Hill, and Mahomes. If those three guys are on the field, that team's scoring 30-plus points a game. Damian Williams is going to run just fine into a six-man front. He's, he's going to. Sammy Watkins is, is more important to that team than Kareem Hunt ever was because when Sammy Watkins is on the field, you can't double Tyree kill. And if you do, Watkins will kill you. So... The Chiefs knew they could cut Kareem Hunt and it wouldn't affect them. By the way, go back and look at their statistics. They're more efficient running the ball without Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Now, small sample size, but it's the case. They didn't cut Tyree Kill because they need Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill, before this happened, was going to get a $100 million extension. Kareem Hunt was never getting a $100 million yep. extension. Okay, So, just keep that in mind. Like The Chiefs aren't... I don't want to say not dumb, but... Th- in, in a football sense, yeah, they're not dumb. They they know who runs the show on that offense, and it's Patrick Mahomes, and it's Tyree Kill, and it's Travis Kelsey, and to a lesser degree, it's Samuel Watkins. And if those guys are on the field, they're going to light you up, and they know it. So, speaking of offenses that can light teams up, or at least it should be able to. Look, last year the Green Bay Packers were not that kind of an offense. Mm-hmm. They struggled. Mike McCarthy, of course, ends up getting fired that uh, They, they limped to a non-playoff finish. This offseason, they spent a ton of money in free agency. But the big news was they went out to hire Matt LaFleur, who you have been personally stopping oh, yeah. for since you were about 10 years old. So now he's there. Mike Silver, uh, good friend, wrote a great piece over at NFL.com. And he was in Green Bay, and he detailed that there might be a little trouble right now with LaFleur's system for Aaron Rodgers because – well, Floor's system doesn't really have the audibles at the line of scrimmage built in. Rodgers wants more freedom at the line of scrimmage, and so there's a little bit of push pull there right now. Thoughts on uh, how that might play out there in the frozen tundra?
1: Uh, well, I mean, think Aaron Rodgers just needs to stay out of the way of a legend like Matt Lafleur. <laughs> I
0: right? think like he needs to
1: get in, get in the line and know his role in the offense. No, I mean, we always end. When this hire happened, we anticipated the fact that there was going to be some problems. There was going to be some growing pains because, I mean, look at the last, what, decade of Aaron Rodgers' career. It's been nothing but constant butting of heads with Mike McCarthy to the point where McCarthy was run out of town to what many believe is Aaron Rodgers doing because, look, let's be real. That, the Packers are Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are never, ever. There's, other than Vince Lombardi, The Packers have never been a coach's team. It was never Mike Holmgren's Packers. It was Brett Favre's Packers. It was never going to be and never was Mike McCarthy's Packers. It was always and always will be until he retires or leaves Aaron Rodgers' Packers. And that's kind of what Matt LaFleur is running into is he's coming in. He's like, I'm the head coach. I'm the guy who's supposed to be running the show. And if things go wrong, I'm the one who's going to get fired. But this is Aaron Rodgers' team. So now I have to come in and I have to try to install my system. I have to come in and try and get things right. And I have to try and be, for a lack of a better term, the adult in the room. When my quarterback, isn't, isn't Aaron Rodgers older than Matt LaFleur?
0: No. Uh, well, they're around no, the same it, age. That's uh, three years difference.
1: So they're, about, yeah, they're around the same age. So we knew there was going to be problems. I, my, the other side of this, too, is get back to me at week four. Whatever the Packers record is, however the offense is going, let's revisit this conversation then. Like, it's very easy right now when we don't have any action, when there's no games being played, when we haven't seen this offense work, to say, oh, man, I don't know, if Aaron Rodgers can't call an audible at the line of scrimmage, this Matt LaFleur, uh, Matt LaFleur might not be long for this job. Like, come on, let, let's, let's see this in action. If we get to week four, week five, week six, and we're like, man, why aren't the Packers scoring more points? How come they're not more efficient on offense? Like, I thought Matt LaFleur was supposed to be this genius which I have about three different beach houses already purchased on yeah. the stock that I've invested. Um, get back to me then. I don't dislike the fact that we're talking about it now and we're having the conversation, but I'm not going to judge the results of training camp conversations. I mean, this, the sausage is getting made as we speak. It's not a pretty process, but if the Packers are 4-0 and to start the season or 3-1 and or they're 8-2 and heading down the stretch nobody's going to care if Aaron Rodgers maybe wasn't going to be able to call audibles. And if Aaron Rodgers isn't calling audibles in the middle of the season and they're winning, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be too concerned about that.
0: No, I will say though, Aaron Rodgers is not one to just go with the flow. Very true. Um, (laughs) And if they start out slowly, I could absolutely see a scenario where Rodgers is just taking some not so subtle jabs at his new head coach, kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. My honest feeling is, this is Aaron Rodgers. Build some audibles into your system. Yeah. I mean, come on. Just build in a dozen audibles. This isn't that hard. Every other team in the league, or most teams in the league, can audible line of scrimmage. I don't see any reason why Aaron Rodgers should not be able to be given the latitude to just do these types of things. So, I am just concerned Matt LaFleur is from the Sean McVay school of they are very simplistic in the way they run the offense. Mm -hmm. In the sense of, and I've said this before, I think I even said this last week, McVay and the Rams run almost exclusively 11 personnel, so just three wide receivers are back in the tight end. Now, the Rams are extremely multiple out of that formation or out out of that personnel grouping, and I expect that the Packers will be something similar, considering that's where all the floors come out of. Of course, every coach will put their stamp on a little bit. But if you are going to be in a similar personnel grouping all the time, you should be able to audible all the time. You mm-hmm. have the same players on the field. It's not, like, it's not like you're going to audible to a play and you go, oh, we don't have our second tight end out here. You never have a second tight end out there. So if you're the Packers, you have Aaron Rodgers at 35 years old. Let him audible. Just let him do what he's got to do. Now, starts to get out of control, and he starts deviating from a game plan. I understand LaFleur at that point kind of pulling the reins in a little bit. Yeah. But Aaron Rodgers is going to look at Matt LaFleur if they start to have issues, and he is going to go, who the hell are you? You've never won anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, Aaron, I'm Aaron effing Rodgers. I've won two MVPs and a Super Bowl. I'm going to do what I want to do. I think part of the biggest reason him and McCarthy had issues was a little bit of a power struggle at times. Mm -hmm. So I think right now it's not a huge issue. I think they'll probably figure something out, get to some middle ground. I do think, though, if LaFleur doesn't budge on this, and they go into the year and that offense doesn't start out well and they're struggling early in the season, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be shy about the fact that he's not very happy.
1: No. And if I'm at LaFleur, part of this, I think – you said putting a stamp on it. And I think that there's some intimidation for LaFleur to come in after the way that things ended with McCarthy and the perception of how things went with McCarthy. And like we just said, this is Aaron Rodgers' team. Matt LaFleur has to come in and flex a little bit. And to the point, and it's not wrong to, for him to come in because everybody's thinking it, where Aaron Rodgers says, Look, man, you haven't won Jack. One Super Bowl, two MVPs. If I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm saying, Yeah, Super Bowl in 2010, and MVP in 2014, want to win another one of those? Work with me. So that's how I think he needs to come in and not, not necessarily overstep and try to overcorrect what Mike McCarthy did or didn't break. I think audibles is like we're getting a little petty. It's like, okay, cool. But like, at the same time, LaFleur can bake them into the offense, and I think that may, that's, this could be the compromise where LaFleur – we're going to find out what kind of head coach LaFleur is because we don't know. He's never done this before. Can he come in and say, all right, I'll bake some audibles in, but Aaron – you're going to have to play by my rules too. Like this can, we can make this a good working relationship where we both win Super Bowls. You win another MVP. Your legacy is secure and you're going into the hall of fame even stronger than before. Like you're going to the hall of fame. You're Aaron Rodgers. Like yep. you are like, if Aaron Rodgers says that to him, am on that floor. I say, cool. I know who you are. Do you want to be an even better version of what you are now? Like, stop thinking about I'm Aaron Rodgers. Like, Every, like, nobody thinks that you're the best quarterback in the league right now. Tom Brady is the GOAT. He is the best quarterback of this generation, many think, of all time. Chase him. I can help you. Like, that's how I'm selling it if I'm Matt LaFleur, because you've got to play to Aaron Rodgers' ego, which, when you tap into it, we've seen how special he can be. I think, you know, the artificial intelligence of Aaron Rodgers has become self-aware, and it's starting to turn on itself. Matt LaFleur has to correct that. Because, again, 2014 is the last time he won MVP – That was right before the NFL and the offenses and the way we look at things and RPO and all this kind of stuff changed. And not, I mean, I hate comparing basketball comparisons again, but Dwight Howard was one of the greatest players of his generation. And then the game changed and he didn't. And now Dwight Howard is basically out of the league. Like he's in Washington, but nobody really knows that. That's out of the league. Yeah, big time. Yeah. But you you don't want Aaron Rodgers to go the same way. Now he's not going to go the exact same way that Dwight Howard is, but you can phase yourself out by not adapting. Matt LaFleur is his opportunity to up- How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. Date his game to the modern NFL and let's see how good Aaron Rodgers can be with that
0: tool. It's going to be fascinating in Green Bay because I look at the Packers I thought they would upgrade their weapons off season and they really didn't do anything to nope. their weapons. They, they, yeah, look, they drafted Jay Sternberger in the third round tight end. Fine. fine.
1: It was all defense. I'm
0: not going nuts over Jay Sternberger. Um, <laughs> I thought for sure they would say, okay, look, in today's NFL, three wide receivers are starters. We've got Devontae Adams. He's a you know, top 10 receiver or so in the league. Um... And then we have Iquiminius St. Brown <laughs> and Marquez Valdez-Scantling.
1: It's murderers I, row.
0: I thought, I thought the Packers might look at that and think to themselves, need another receiver. But they didn't. So the question now becomes, what can Rodgers do, even in LaFleur's offense, even in a more updated 2019 NFL type of scheme, what are you doing? Because if I'm a team playing the Packers, I am doubling Adams and saying, "Beat me, beat me anywhere else." I I don't see if you're the Bears, if you're the Vikings, how are you not just running a safety over the top Adams the entire game? And go ahead, go ahead. You want to throw to Jimmy Graham? Go right ahead, mm-hmm. do it. Uh, I think that's the question I have. I still believe Rodgers is a great player. Yep. I still think he's good enough by a wide margin to to get to and to win a Super Bowl. But if LaFleur turns out to be a bad fit, or it turns out that St. Brown and Valdez Scantling are not good, he's in a tough spot. I think the defense actually could be pretty good, but Mm -hmm. it's just they have not put a ton around him offense. The line is very good, the back is okay, and Aaron Jones is a solid player, but they. They just intrigue me because I could, frankly, see them going 7-9. and nine. I could also see them going 12-4. and four. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really good. So, I don't know where I'm leaning on the Packers, but I do think they've got to figure out the solvable thing. Because if you're LaFleur, you can't be going to the year with Rodgers giving you a side eye every five minutes. No. You can't have it. You can't. If, if Rodgers is in lockstep with LaFleur and he supports him both to his face and in the locker room, the rest of the team will support him. They'll back him because Rodgers backs him. If Rodgers doesn't back him, and he's sniping about him in the quarterback room, and he's sniping about him in the shower, other players are going to follow that lead. So I, I think it's really important that they figure that out and they get on the right page.
1: Golden Tate went to New York to play with whatever the hell is going on. That man there. took
0: the money. And did, God bless him for doing it. But yeah. that man. He he saw the money and said, "You know what? I'm good." Sign me up.
1: But imagine him in Green Bay. Like, if I'm the Packers, I'm not going to try and go after him and put we're, him with right. Adams. Because then you can put, you know, Valdez, Scantling, and, you know, St. whatever. Put him... That, they're the third receivers. You got your top two. And I feel like they're trying to maybe copy the mold that Minnesota had, where they happened into Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, two guys who were just guys a couple of years ago. They were exactly what we're talking about with the Packers. And now... All of a sudden, they're two of the better receivers in football. They're both making a lot of money. I wonder if the Packers are maybe trying to chase that instead of going, which may be a more correct route, of let's open up the checkbook, open up the purse a little bit and pay Golden Tate. You know, let's go out. Devin Funches isn't the greatest guy in the world, but is he better than what we have? Sure. Like yeah, even, right. Cole, even Cole Beasley. like Go out and get a Cole Beasley and see what he looks like in this offense. So... I don't know. I, I, I also have questions. And as a Buccaneers fan who deeply dislikes the Packers, both as a Buccaneers fan and as a Minnesotan, I've got two ways to approach this. I'm deeply invested in the success of Matt Why LeFleur. Why not
0: sign Tyrell Williams?
1: They, that too. And
0: by the way... Adam Humphreys at, was out there. Yeah. If you look at Tyrell Williams' contract, I had an agent uh, point this out to me, and I was doing a story. He wasn't slamming Tyrell Williams by any uh, measure, but he was... You just mentioned it as an example of how contracts can be deceiving. Tyrell Williams got four years, $44 million, which on the surface, terrific contract, get the most of any receiver in this class, the free agent class. You look at his contract, he has no dead money after the first year. The Raiders really signed him for one year, $11 million. Bucks. Mm-hmm. So the Packers signed him for two years, $20 million, guaranteed $15 million of it. Would have been a better contract. I, just, I, I don't understand. And I know, look, I, I'm sure... Packers fans would say to me, you're underestimating St. Brown and Valdez-Scantlin. Don't you forget
1: about Geronimo Allison.
0: Yeah, okay. (laughs) Get out of here with all that. Go get guys who are big-time players, who are proven guys. You know, look, my father, who God knows is listening to this podcast, he'll get a kick out of this. I say this all the time in life, and it's true, and he taught me this. The word potential is a real fancy word for saying you've never done anything. Because if you've done something, you don't have potential, you're actually good. If you have potential, you haven't done anything. So potential's fine in certain instances. But when you're the Packers and your MVP quarterback is 35 years old and that clock is ticking ever louder, you don't have time for potential. You need to win now. You need to go get guys who have shown that they made good on their potential. And so if I'm the Packers... I would have been more aggressive. No, they weren't. It's water under the bridge. They clearly believe in these players. We'll see if they're right. Brian Gutekunst has done a nice job, I think, in building up the roster in the last couple of years. Certainly he's been a hell of a lot more aggressive in free agency than they ever were prior to his arrival. Uh, But the Packers, to me, and we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast, are the biggest wild card in the NFC. Mm -hmm. They could be the team that nobody wants to see. They could also be the team that they're done by week 15. In fact, We can dovetail off this here in a second. If you had to put the Packers in an NFC Power Rankings, whereabouts would you put them?
1: Ooh, that's tough because they are such a wild card. Like, I want to put them in the top three or four just because a full year of Aaron Rodgers healthy, motivated, in an offense that works is a very dangerous thing. I don't think he's hit the clip yet where he's going to fall off. But it's the NFC Championship game. They're in New Orleans. Are they winning that? No. Probably not. I don't think they're winning in Los Angeles against the Rams. I think McVay outsmarts LaFleur easily. And, if, and look, the Rodgers-Gough thing is not even close.
0: i got to tell you, man, if Gurley's knees is bad as a lot of people think it is, I, I think the Packers are better than them. I, I do. And I, I, I don't even cut you off. I agree with you, New Orleans. What about Philadelphia? That was your team, I was mm-hmm. going to say. If Wentz is healthy... They're better than Green Bay. Yep. They're the better team. If the if the Cowboys get Prescott to go one more level, that they, they have a really good defense. They, I'm not saying I think the Packers aren't as good as Dallas because I gotta say I, I think if you said neutral side I would take the Packers in the game. I think it's close. I know the I know Bears fans have got to be screaming <laughs> over this conversation. You know what though? I'm sorry. I don't think so. I, I, I just, Trubisky scares the daylights out of me. And, yep. I know that last year you, you beat him, but you saw week one what happened in that game. Like, I don't know that I, I don't believe in Cousins. Or, I would put the Packers third. What about behind, the Falcons? You know. Because it's simil-
1: similar with the good defense because every, if everybody's healthy yeah, and Matt I, Ryan is a fair kind, one. kind of like Aaron Rodgers.
0: It's a fair one. I would put the Falcons in that mix. I think the Saints and the Eagles, if, if Wentz is healthy, they're clearly better. Oh, yeah. Man, if Gurley's not healthy, I think the Packers are better than the Rams. I, I don't know without Gurley that the Rams can be an effective offense. Not, not to to the extent that they have been in the last couple of years. I should preface because I still think they'd be a good offense. I just don't think they would be that great offense that they've been. Um, but yeah, I think the Packers, man, right there, like third, fourth in the conference. I think they're I think they're a contender. But I have a lot of questions about them that I don't have about some of the other contenders in the NFC. Yeah. So, take that for it's
1: worth. Well, there's no easy way to transition to this, Vertoram, but we have to talk about the Bengals.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there never is an easy way to transition to this. Jonah
1: Williams, their first-round pick, he's already out for the season, um, which kind of in of itself is upsetting because you never like to see a rookie miss his first year. Um, Of course, you compound that with the Bengals have a new head coach for the first time in what seems like a million years.
0: 1978. We're at the
1: tail end of Andy Dalton's career, it seems, at least his career in Cincinnati. There's a lot of transition, a lot of interesting things going on. However, this highlights once again how sad it is to be a Bengals fan and how sad it's been for quite a long time. Like, outside of Marvin Lewis's dead-behind-the-eyes look and how he just was never able to be fired, um, looking back at some of their draft classes, because Jonah Williams is a member of their most recent one. We can't really grade them out yet. And we just actually at Fansided did a retrospective of the 2016 NFL draft. So you can check that out. All the NFL experts were involved in that, breaking it down. Um, I remember looking at the Cincinnati Bengals blurb. Their first round pick in 2016, William Jackson.
0: Who was hurt. His entire rookie year.
1: Follow that up, 2017 first round pick John Ross.
0: That's a shame.
1: 2018 Billy Price. So there's a theme here with Cincinnati. The, of, those
0: stars. And Jackson's a nice player, but he's not just a guy. He's at this point, and I I would agree. Xavier
1: Howard he's, was taken a couple of picks later. Right. Right. So. At this
0: point, William Jackson's good, but it leaves you wanting more.
1: But it raises the question of.
0: And John Ross, dear God, oh, Lord! You know who was drafted directly after John Ross? Who? Patrick Mahomes. That's right. The next pick. Wow.
1: The Johnny Flynn to his to the Steph Curry. There, there you go. But it does raise the question of: Should the Bengals just blow this thing up? Like we were talking about before the show, sky high. The Buffalo Bills did this a couple of years ago. They traded Sammy Watkins, and I went and I looked it up. They got well. They traded. Uh, who else did they trade? Uh, Darby. Darby, Darby. 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 That's right. To Ronald Darby to Philly. to Philly. They got the 96th overall pick for that in the 2018 draft. They said took
0: Jordan Matthews uh, back. Yep. to the Buffalo.
1: They took Harrison Phillips with that one. They got the 56th pick from the Rams, yep. second rounder, which they then turned into the Josh Allen trade. So they trade up to get their quarterback. So and then the Patriots ended up taking Duke Johnson or Duke Dawson with that. Not Duke Johnson. Duke Dawson with that pick. Because they traded with the Buccaneers. Um, Point being, the Bills were like, we're not going anywhere. Let's get rid of these guys. Let's get rid of these big names. Let's get some picks for the future. And what they got out of it was Harrison Phillips, whatever, but Josh Allen, franchise quarterback, or picks that got them up to move up and take him. The Bengals should do exactly the same thing. They should blow this thing. Like you said, sky high capital underscore. Blow it
0: up. The whole deal, 30-inch headlines. just and I'm going to write about this in next week's Stack in the Box as one of my items. Why are the Bengals pretending that they're anything other than a bottom five team in the league? Just enough. You finally fired Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis has been the head coach of that team since, since the, the Constitution was signed. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's insane. Never won a playoff game. Now he's finally gone after years and years and years of people in the Queen City just begging Part of the reason was because they couldn't sell tickets the last half of last season. Yeah. And I just they are so boring as a franchise. And Duke Tobin, who's the GM there, I, I think it's time for him to have an honest conversation in his own mind about where they're going and what they're doing. I think Zach Taylor's a good hire. I really do. I think Zach Taylor's a smart guy. I got to spend some time with him down at the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor is is thoughtful He's insightful. he's a terrific offensive mind. I think he's someone who connects with players. Zach Taylor is a good hire. But if Zach Taylor is going to work out in Cincinnati, they've got to surround him with players. And you know mm-hmm. what? You're not doing that with this roster. They were dead last in the league in the NFL last year, in, in, on the defensive side of the ball. Can you name anybody they added on the defensive side of the ball? their no. first couple of picks in the draft were offensive players and the reason we bring up the Bengals is because Jonah Williams tore his labrum he's done for the season and then their second round pick was, was Drew Sample a tight end who a lot of people thought was going to go in the fifth round mm-hmm. so I, I just I don't understand if you're the Bengals look you have a couple of assets right now A.J. Green's got one year left on his deal this being the last season Geno Atkins has signed for a little bit but he is still a terrific player Put them on the market, especially A.J. Green. I would call every team in the league if I was Duke Tobin and say, what will you give me? What can I get? They're not going to get a first rounder. He's got one year left in his deal. He's over 30 years old. If some team gives you a second and a fourth, take it. They should be stockpiling the daylights out of picks. And of course, you mentioned the Bills, which we talked about for the show. They're the example I'll use in my column. The Bills were smart enough to just say, you know what? We stink. Mm -hmm. We're not going anywhere. And the ironic thing was they ended up making the playoffs that season. They ended up going 9-7. And they almost won in Jacksonville, too. uh, In the worst playoff game that's ever been yes. But Brandon Bean, who's another smart, insightful guy, said, you know what? Our roster stinks. We're never winning anything significant with this team. We have to go out and we have to turn players into picks. And we have to turn those picks into young rookie contracts. On players who are talented. Now, we'll see if the Bills ended up picking the right players. But the plan was right. The Bengals, there's no plan. You're not winning anything with Andy Dalton. He's atrocious. But if you want to measure Andy Dalton against any quarterback who's going to be a leader on a team that's going to a Super Bowl...
1: <laughs> and if you did hear it the first time Because you weren't looking at your phone Nice work You'd love Snapshot from Progressive Because it rewards safe drivers Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina Or from all agents
0: He's just a middle of the average mm-hmm. or Middle of, of, the, of the road Average quarterback Andy Dalton is not Ryan Lindley But he's, he's not Tom Brady You're never going anywhere You've peaked with Andy Dalton your peak is winning a division title, being a threat to win a playoff game, mm-hmm. but never actually doing it. They need to go out and find their new Carson Palmer. Yep. They, you know, who, of course, was there, and then got hurt, and then everything spiraled downward. But they got to go find Kenny Anderson or Boomer Esiason. They've got to go get that guy. And, yeah, that's scary because you might trade or move on from Dalton, and you may not be able to find that guy. But what is the difference? You're never winning anything with Andy Dalton. So they should be moving Geno Atkins if they can. They should be move. They certainly should be moving AJ Green. Who, Mm -hmm. by the way, what is his motivation to stay there? Nothing. Nothing. The Bengals should be selling off everybody. Tyler Boyd, I believe, has Mm -hmm. one year deal on or one year left on his deal. Mm -hmm. Trade him. Trade him right now. I I don't. They should be. They should be gunning for two and fourteen and fifteen draft picks next year. That's what they ought to be doing. Because they're not a franchise that dabbles in free agency. They don't spend big money. They've never spent big money on players outside the organization. But to their credit, they will spend money to keep guys in-house like they did with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green and Geno Atkins. Spend your resources wisely. Trade those players. Get picks. Pick the right players. Of course, that's the big key. And then re-sign those guys. Because right now, You're on a treadmill to oblivion. You're Mm. just going nowhere. The team, they're clearly the worst team in the division. And I don't know how they're going to get any better with their best players all either approaching or over the age of 30.
1: Maybe a little bit of a controversial opinion, but looking back in hindsight... Contraction? Well, yeah. Contract them, please. Um, Drew Sample, like you said, picked 52nd overall in the draft this past year. Um, The... The 62nd pick was Andy Isabella. That is the pick that the Arizona Cardinals Cardinals got when they traded Josh Rosen to Miami. If I was the Bengals, and you're saying they're not going to get a first-round pick for him, what if they would have called up the Cardinals and been like, we're going to give you A.J. Green if you give us Josh Rosen? Who says no to that?
0: Oh, oh, the Cardinals would at least have to think about it. He's an older player on a rebuilding team, but still, like, That's like you're getting value because if you're not going to get a
1: first round pick, you're technically getting a first round pick. You're getting the 10th overall pick, two drafts removed or a draft removed now at this point, but you're getting, and then you're getting potentially what could be your boomer and that guy who's going to come in, your Carson Palmer, your franchise quarterback. You're getting him basically with fresh legs. There's not a lot of tread taken off those tires. That to me is the type of move that the Bengals would have to make. And that's bold to say, because on the surface I could see us looking at that like a Khalil Mack type trade. We're like, man, they traded A.J. Green for Josh Rosen. Who the hell is Josh Rosen going to throw to? This makes no sense. But you're rebuilding, and you'll have a piece to rebuild around. And right now, what do the Bengals have? Like One of the things that I noticed when we were looking back at the 2016 draft was I think that the Bengals – still have every single player that they picked on their roster which is very rare when looking at the other teams in their draft classes guys move around they get cut especially late in the draft even their late round guys they had like a seventh round safety who started a couple of games last year that that to me is impressive in that they were able to do that and they were able to keep these guys but they're just a bunch of guys like it's mediocrity like are you, do you want that like Having an entire draft class where three years later, everybody's still around, cool, that's fine, but what have you done in those last three years with those guys? Whereas the bold move would be, we're going to take a franchise-wide receiver and swap him for a franchise quarterback. That's a bold move. That is something that the Bengals have never done, and I think they're, they're going to be stuck in this rut until they do something like that. Now, the Bills, they didn't go to the Super Bowl last year, and they missed the playoffs. But they used those picks that they had for the Sammy Watkins trade, to get their franchise quarterback, the Bengals need to do something bold like that, or it's like we're just gonna have the Andy or the uh, Marvin Lewis era redux here. Like it's gonna be the same yeah. thing.
0: You can't expect different results when you're running back the same team. No, over and over and over. And the Bengals just can't seem to figure out. Yeah, you're not gonna win big with Andy Dalton as your centerpiece offensively. It's just not happening. And if I'm AJ Green, I'm telling them in a nice way. I'm not making a stink about this. Trade me.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, resigning. I, Just get me. I'm
0: not. I'm not coming back. I'm. I'm worth more than the third round comp pick you're going to get for me. Yep. Trade me. You're not winning anything of note anyway. And there are a lot of teams out there that would sure love to have AJ Green. So if I'm the Bengals, that's the first place I'm starting that rebuild with. Oh yeah. And I don't think anybody could blame
1: you. If I'm General Manager Bill O'Brien, I'm calling up the. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm general him. manager, Bill O'Brien, I'm, I'm worried about a lot of things. But, but yes, I'm making but that phone AJ
1: call. A.J. Green on the same offense as uh, DeAndre, Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and and uh, Deshaun Watson. That, that's incredible. And I mean, the Chiefs are trading for everybody under the sun who becomes available. Well, i you right Clark now. Clark and if Deron I'm, Lee. Like,
0: If I'm the Patriots, yeah. uh, I'm making that phone call in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Okay? And there are a few other teams. There are a few other teams that would be uh, – we just talked about one of them, the The Packers. The Packers, yep. I'm sorry, Equiminius St. Brown <laughs> yes. can slide over in the depth chart. Um, could you imagine him in the Saints? You Holy put him across from Michael cow. Thomas. Wow.
1: There, there you go. Greatest show on turf part two. Or a
0: team like the Niners, who could really use that number one receiver. Mm. Right? Like, there are, I think what we're proving here, no shortage of teams Mm-mm. that would be making that phone call for A.J. Green. You get a bidding war, and you'd probably get more than you'd expect. So... With that all being said, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Stacking the Box. Don't forget, you can look cool. You can look smart. You can be smart. You can go out and get our swag at swag.fanside.com. Search Stack in the Box. You can get sweatshirt, t-shirt, mug, all the rest of it. It's awesome. I'm sitting here in the black sweatshirt right now. I like this sweatshirt so much, I wore it today in Chicago, despite the fact it's 85 degrees outside. It's true. I don't care. This sweatshirt is too awesome to leave at home, okay? Just keep that in mind. Also want to thank our sponsors over at Fanatics, of course. Fansided.fanatics.com. Type in the code word FANSIDED. Save 20% on shipping. Obviously, as you know, Fanatics has you covered from jerseys to hats, so on and so forth. Anything you can want as a fan, they, they make sure they've got it in full supply. So check them out. And also, we will be back next week with another podcast. After that, yours truly, on vacation for two weeks, headed back home to visit the family and the friends in New York. I will be, as they say, off the grid. Uh, I'll be in the mountains, literally at a lake house. I will be—I don't even have cell service, so if Hill has to desperately get hold of me, it will be by Western Union. If I have to tell uh, you that
1: the devil's made another incredible yeah, trade.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It will be, it will be very slow. I'll find out two weeks after the fact. <laughs> Um, I turn back time when I go home, but I enjoy it. Uh, and so uh, Mr. Hill here will be holding down the fort. And then we'll be moving into a new office. So not that anybody cares that's listening, but we'll have... Podcast studio. Podcast studio. And that means guests coming on every week because we'll have uh, a much more state-of-the-art situation going on. Uh, we can't wait to do that. We have so much in the works. Uh, and it's amazing to say so. But but We are less than one month away from training camp so Bring it on! Unbelievable. So, thanks so much for listening. Subscribe on iTunes to Stacking the Box. Follow us at Stacking the Box, uh, and make sure to give us a comment and a rating. Really appreciate it as always. So, for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verram. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: Aw, you didn't have to go so all out for my birthday. Yes, we did. Because birthdays are about showing your friends how much you care for them and how grateful you are for them. This is Jamie from Progressive. No, this is a great time. Progressive protects you 24-7. Mhm. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. Jamie, can you hold on one second? Uh, got to take this call, but remember, birthdays are about togetherness. Contact us 24-7 on the
0: phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms.